Amen. Open your Bibles with me to Romans. Romans 13. Let's go to Romans 13. We've been in this chapter, chapter since the beginning of the year. Romans 13. We're going to finish out Romans 13 over the next couple of weeks and move right into Romans chapter 14 in this sermon series titled Untangled. We're wanting to get rid of those things in our life, as Romans 13 tells us, put away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. So in the mornings, we've been talking about those things that we need to get rid of, those put off those works of darkness. And in the evening service, we've been talking about putting on the armor of light. What are those commands in Scripture that, we're to, that, uh, that are most frequently cited that we are to receive into our lives and to obey? So that's what we're doing. Romans chapter 13 What we're going to do this morning is we're going to pick up at verse 8. Now, remember, last week we did 7 and 8. And so we're going to pick back up at 8, and we'll go 8, 9, and 10. And so Romans chapter 13, and and always, folks, please remember this. If you need a Bible, and we don't mean just right now, if you need a Bible, that Bible that is in the pew there in front of you, please take that. We would love for you to have that. And so if you need a Bible, but if you need one this morning, right now, please grab one right there in the pew back in front of you and and open your Bible. Go to the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Romans chapter 13, and we're going to start reading in verse 8. Here we go. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And so anytime my wife and I have ever gotten a new appliance or electronical gadget, anything like that, please understand one of the first things I need to get out is the instruction manual. If you've ever wondered why they write so so lengthy instruction manuals and and even talk about things that would seem obvious, uh, it's for me. I, I've, I've got to have the instruction manual. Those things, putting things together, operating, it does not come naturally to me. And so this particular appliance had a 30-page instruction manual, which was a little daunting until I opened it up and realized that there were three languages. Well, okay, all of a sudden, my despair left me. Because now we've got it down to 10 pages, but when I found the English section, it's like in 10 font. I mean, it was just tiny little words, and so now I'm in despair again. Oh, my soul, it's going to take forever to read this. And so as I'm reading the opening page of this 10 pages of instructions that I've got to go through, as I'm reading the first thing, it says, for a summarization, look at the quick start card. Oh, the the clouds parted. Yes, a quick start. Okay, it was like a birthday card from my grandma with a $5 bill scotch tape to it. I mean, and it didn't even have words. It was all pictures. This is perfect for me. 
a quick start, the entire summarization in one little card. Friends, I want you to know this morning what God has done for us through the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is give us a summarization of what we're to be about. And it's because, if you remember in these passages that we've been reading, going all the way back to Romans 12, verse 9. So in my Bible, all I've got to do is look over at the other column. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Paul has introduced this whole subject of relationships starting in Romans 12. And if you remember, the only reason he's bringing up human-to-human relationships is because the first 11 chapters of Romans are about the most important relationship was how you can be in a right relationship with God through the person of Jesus Christ. That's Romans 1 through 11. And then in Romans 12, it starts up with human-to-human relationships. Well, we all know human-to-human relationships can get really complicated. Now, God didn't intend it that way. Matter of fact, when God created Adam and Eve, placed them in the garden, they had a perfect relationship not only with God, Adam and Eve had a perfect relationship with one another until as soon as sin entered in, sin always complicates relationships. Our high school, our, our high school, junior high and high school students had united this weekend, a disciple now. And, and in, at, at that age that they're in, there, there starts to be, a, you know, a guy and a girl liking each other. And everything can just be going along famously until physical sin, physical sexual sin, if, if that enters in, oh boy, not only does it, deeply impact them spiritually, but it hurts the friendship that they had with one another and it complicates the relationship. And so you guys, relationships can get really complicated and it's because of sin. And so Paul has introduced us to this whole issue of relationships and and I, I want you to pause for just a moment and think about just the relationships in your life because there's a researcher named Robin Dunbar. Robin Dunbar is a British researcher, scientist. And in the 90s, he came up with what is now called Dunbar's Number. And Dunbar's number is simply a study of how many relationships can the average human being successfully maintain stable relationships. How many can the average human being successfully maintain stable relationships at one time? His number is 150. That... The average human being can only sustain about 150 stable relationships at one time. And that means friends, business relationships, marriage relationships, family relationships, all the relationships you can possibly think of, you can really only sustain about 150 at a time, which means there's a limit to how many people, despite what Facebook and Twitter and all social media tells you, there's a limit 
to how many stable relationships you can maintain. Now, please know, don't take that number as if you were to meet someone today and you say, oh, I'd like to be friends with you. And you say, well, look, I'm maxed out right now. I'm, I'm at 150. Give me a couple of weeks. I think I can talk someone off the list and you'll be able to work your way in. No, no, that's not what it means. It just means there's a limit. Well, if you take 150 relationships for each person times the billions of people, not only that are on the earth right now, but the fact that Google will also tell you that since Adam and Eve, there have probably been about 100 billion people born since the beginning of time. 100 billion times 150 relationships for each person. That's 150 trillion. Then you multiply that by every facet, every direction, every angle that any relationship can take. Do you see how it could get pretty complicated? And yet, listen to how uncomplicated this is. God has given us 10 commandments that can govern every single one of those relationships. Isn't that not amazing? Ten commandments given to us thousands of years ago that are just as relevant today. Paul mentions four of them. Now, the four of the five that he mentions are man's relationship with man. You remember the first four commandments are man's relationship with God. And then you come to the fifth commandment, which is honor your father and your mother. That, that commandment is oftentimes called by theologians the bridge commandment. And it's because the first four deal with man's relationship with God, the last five, man's relationship with man, and so the fifth right in the middle is kind of the bridge commandment because God has given you your parents or whoever is the authority figure in your life to not only point you to the heavenly father to be in relationship with him, but also moms and dads, we're to teach our kids how to be in relationship with one another. It's called the bridge commandment. So then the last five commandments are human to human. Paul mentions four of them. Pick up again with me in the scripture. Always remember, always keep your Bible open while we're reading. Love each other, verse eight, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbors yourself. God took these trillions of relationships that would be for all time. He then gives us 10 commandments that governs those relationships. Five of them deal with man to man. Paul mentions four of them here. But then in a way that only God can do, God uncomplicates it one more time. He takes those four and any other commandment. There are 613 laws in the Old Testament. Paul says here, you shall not covet and any other commandment are summed up in this word. So in other words, God uncomplicates it one more time, gets it down to one single statement. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
This morning's sermon is titled, Untangled, Uncomplicated. Friends, I want you to know, I don't know how you came in this morning, but the sin in our lives complicates everything. It complicates our personal relationships, but more than anything else, apart from Christ, our sin separates us from our loving God. And he gave his son so that you can be in a personal relationship with God. But even when we're saved, that old man lurking in it still tries to rear its ugly head. And whenever we have sin in our life, even as a believer, it still complicates. And God so desires this morning for us to get untangled from these things that are holding us back. To live uncomplicated lives. Complicated lives are so full of stress, so full of worry. And God wants to uncomplicate us this morning. Would you let him? I'm going to pray for us again. And please know I'm inviting you to pray. Pray with me. And just open up your heart to the Lord this morning. I don't know what all stress burdens you're carrying this morning. But God can uncomplicate and untangle all of that this morning. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, over these next few minutes, I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me. Father, I pray that the things that are distracting in me, that you would remove them because, Lord, I so desire for people to hear from you. Lord, I pray for someone to be saved this morning. I pray for recommitted lives. Lord, draw to our church family and call out of our church family. And Lord, we pray that you would receive the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Boy, that is so uncomplicated, so untangled. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Seven words. But here's the first thing I want you to understand about those seven words. It's impossible to do apart from following Christ. It is impossible to do apart from following Christ. You know what's amazing about that that phrase, you shall love your neighbors yourself. If you're thinking, I've seen that someplace before. You have. It's in the Old Testament, Leviticus 19.18. Whenever Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he summed it all up. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. And then he brings in Leviticus 19, 18. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Did you know that that verse is the most frequently quoted verse of the Old Testament in the New Testament? Leviticus 19, 18. Is that not a word for our current society, for the world in which we live in, in a world that is so disconnected and in a world where the word love is thrown around so much and yet people are not experiencing anything close to what is godly love? That's the word we need to hear today. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's a reason why Leviticus 19, 18 is the most quoted verse in the New Testament. But it's impossible to do that apart from following Christ. And so let's just take the first two, you and love. The key words in that is you, love. 
Let's start with the word you. My son Drew, uh, who's a wonderful, just Greek scholar, teaches Greek. I, I called him to ask him about this. That first word you there is a plural. It's the second person plural. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, yourself being a singular word. Well, that's interesting that God would give a plural you and then end with a singular. But what he's trying to show us is the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, is intended for all of us, but it can only be lived out by each of us. That statement is not just for some. It's for all who have called upon the name of of Christ. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But you can't say, well, I'm in a church that's a loving church. And so it really doesn't matter what I do as long as my church is a loving church. No, it's for all of us, but it can only be lived out by each of us. Plural to the singular. Look at the word love. You shall love. It's the word agape. It's the word which means ungodly. Uh, Ungodly. I'm so sorry. It's the word, rewind. It's the word which means godly, unconditional, sacrificial love. That's what agape means. And please know, just being transparent in front of you, it would be so much easier for all of us if they had used the word phileo, which is brotherly love. It would be so much more wonderful if it just said, you shall phileo love, brotherly love, your neighbor as yourself. And it's because in order to love with a brotherly love, all I'm required to do is to act, well, brotherly. That's that's all that's required of me, but... To have godly love requires of me to act godly. That's why this first point is, this is impossible to do apart from following Christ. Brotherly love comes pretty natural to us. Some of the ministers on our staff, as a matter of fact, some of the folks in our congregation will be attending the State Evangelism Conference, which starts tomorrow at First Southern Dell City. It's put on by our Baptist Convention. There'll be some wonderful preaching, beautiful music. We'll get to see a lot of folks. And, and pastors know that whenever we see each other, there's always this, hey, brother, hey, brother, good to see you, brother. And what that usually means is, I can't remember your name. So I'm going to call you brother. Hey, there's, there's one of my brothers over there. Good to see you, brother. And so, oh, man, just brothers all over the place. Just brotherly, brotherly, brotherly. It's so much easier to do brotherly love. But this isn't that kind of love. You shall godly, unconditional, sacrificially love your neighbor without prejudice and without bias. And so we're all raised in different towns, different locales. We're raised around different people. We're raised around different families. We're raised around different societal norms. We're raised around different people who educated us and taught us in different ways and modeled life for us in different ways. We're all come with biases and prejudices. 
And yet the scripture says you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Godly, unconditional, sacrificial, without bias, without prejudice, love. It's impossible to do apart from following Christ. Because agape love is not a selfish love, it's a selfless love. Which means I have to die to myself in order to love that way. It's not a fleshly love, it's a spiritual love. Which means my spirit has got to be alive. I have to be a spiritual person. It has to be a spirit-enabled love in order to love that way. It's not an ordinary love, it's a supernatural love. Which means it can't be done by me as an ordinary person. But there's got to be a supernatural power within me. It is an unchanging love which means it can only be done by someone who has been changed forevermore that's the only way it can be done so it's impossible to do apart from following Christ and so on the screen you're going to see Luke chapter 7 pulled up and I, I want to if, if you want to turn to it in your Bibles that's fine but I wanted to show it to you on the screen it's a teaching moment that Jesus did one time and I want you to hear this a certain money lender had two debtors one owed 500 denarii which means it would have taken easily a year and a half to pay that off and the other owed only 50 which means it would have taken about a month and a half to pay it off when they could not pay the money lender canceled the debt of both Jesus asked the question, now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. Friends, the only way that you and I could ever love our neighbor as ourself, agape love, is you've got to be forgiven much. And that does not mean you've got to have a gutter to glory testimony. That does not mean that you've got to do a lot of immoral stuff in your life. It's simply a realization of how ugly one little sin is. It's the realization that one sin caused my Savior to die on the cross. That the chasm is great and wide for all of us. He who's forgiven much loves much. Lord, thank you for saving someone like me. Someone who got to grow up in church all of his life. Someone who got to go to Sunday school and worship services. 
someone like me who got to be raised in a Christian home with Christian parents. Thank you for saving someone like me because I sure had a lot of spiritual pride in my life and only God's grace could show me what a sinner I was. This love is impossible to do apart from following Christ. So the two words we needed to start with were you love, and then look at the next two words, you love your neighbor. Isn't it interesting that there's three you-related pronouns in that sentence, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so we need to take a look at your neighbor. And this is an issue that has been tackled once before. Whenever Jesus was approached by a teacher of the law and was, this teacher of the law was trying to test him. And that teacher of the law asked the question, and who is my neighbor? And so here's the thing that the point I want you to see about your neighbor. Be sure you ask the right question. And here's what I mean by that. So let's define neighbor. Did you know that in the Greek, the word neighbor is the word P-L-E-S-I-O-N. And if you're trying to put that into English, it doesn't transliterate into anything in English. But plesion simply means neighbor, but it comes from the Greek root, which means near. In other words, what the Bible was telling us that a neighbor is, is a neighbor is anyone who you interact with, who you come in contact with, whom you are able to affect for good or ill. Anyone. A neighbor to you is anyone whom you come in contact with, whom you can affect for good or ill. Anyone. And so that means the person that you bump into at the store You've come in contact with them. You have the opportunity now to show good or ill towards that person. That's your neighbor. It's the ones you go to school with, even if you don't really know them. If they're sitting in a classroom with you, it's because God has given you an opportunity by being in that class at that particular time with that particular person. You have the opportunity to be in contact with them and you can affect them for good or ill. It's the people you go to church with. It's the people that live in your neighborhood. It's the people you see in day-to-day business. Those are our neighbors. And so with that introduction, just let me just go ahead and step right into it. Every nation needs laws. Every nation needs laws. Every gathering of people needs laws. Even a single individual needs laws. Every locale, every town, every village, every city, every state, every nation, every region, every country, whatever it is, they all need laws. Laws are good things. God gave us laws. Laws are meant for our benefit. They're helping to help us to live peaceful and quiet lives. Laws are good things. Almost every nation around the world has borders. Those borders are necessary. 
Almost every nation, country that I've ever gotten to travel to, and by the grace of God, I've gotten to be in a lot of countries. Every one of them I've been in, there was a process for entering the country that had to be followed. Having said that, the phrase, the sentence, the verse, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, does not mean that it is incumbent upon us to check someone's status before we decide whether or not we're going to love them. When someone walks into worship, we are not going to ask them to see their passport. When they need help and we need to feed them, when they come up on a Wednesday night, we're not going to ask them to see their papers. The scripture says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And that neighbor crosses geographical lines, it crosses political lines, it crosses denominational borders, it crosses philosophical borders, it crosses any personal borders that you have. You shall love your neighbor as yourself encompasses us all. So let's make sure that we're asking the right question. We don't need to ask someone how long they've been here. We don't need to ask someone if they're legal or illegal. When we're looking at this verse, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That love is to be done by asking the right question. In Luke chapter 10, the teacher of the law asked the wrong question. He said, and who is my neighbor? Because what he was trying to do is restrict who he's supposed to love. And if you notice at the end of Luke 10, Jesus said, the question is not about the person of whom you would love. The question is about you. And so he asked that teacher of the law, which of the three do you think showed love? You see, the question, was, the question that the teacher of the law asked was about the victim. Who is my neighbor? Jesus said the question is about the one showing love. Which one of them was the neighbor to the man who fell among thieves? Folks, the question is, is toward us. Am I, first of all, in a right relationship with God? And second of all, am I loving in the way that God has commanded us to love? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so here's the last thing. As yourself. As yourself. What does, what does that mean? Well, here's the main point I want you to see. That's not about self-love. It's about yourself loving others. You can find theologians who will take the verse, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, and they'll say, say, well, that's about self-love. It's about making sure that you're loving yourself, that you have a great self-esteem about yourself so that then you can love others. That's not what that verse is teaching. That verse is assuming that every single person cares for themselves. Every single person tries to protect themselves. Every single person loves themselves. 
Every single person shows their own self the benefit of the doubt. Every single person extends grace to their own self. We're quick to identify others' faults, but we're always quick to erase ours and say, well, that's, that's not me. And so what this verse is saying, you shall love your neighbors yourself, is in the same way you care for you, care for others. In the same way you try to protect yourself, protect others. In the same way you show yourself the benefit of the doubt, show benefit of the doubt to others. In the same way you extend grace to yourself, extend grace to others. It's not about building up love for yourself. It's about yourself loving others. And boy, listen, this is a, such a tender spot for so many people in our congregation people that are watching or listening, I know that you may be thinking about someone who has attempted or committed suicide. And you're thinking, well, there's an example of someone who didn't love themselves or didn't care for themselves. But folks, I want you to know, it could be argued that when a person attempts suicide, they have come to the place where they believe This is the best thing for me. This is the only way I know that to make myself better. And so even in an attempted suicide, oftentimes a person is showing they do care for themselves. And friends, please always remember, That is never the solution. God loves you. And friends, as the suicide rate continues to increase, not only around the world, but especially right here in our own area, may we decide we need to be a people who loves our neighbor as yourself. Who knows? what life God would use you to save. And and please know, not just save physically, but hopefully save for all of eternity through the power of Jesus Christ. And so here's what I'm calling you to this morning. Let's fulfill the law. And you're thinking, That's a huge monumental task. If you're thinking that, then please know, hopefully you're hearing the scripture and me. It is. As a matter of fact, it's impossible apart from following Christ. There, the story goes that there was a Roman nobleman. A Roman nobleman who died leaving a huge, sizable debt that he had been able to successfully conceal all of his life. No one knew about it. And so whenever this nobleman's estate was put up for auction, the emperor at that time, Caesar Augustus, instructed his agent to go and buy the man's pillow. And whenever a lot of people were expressing surprise and dismay that the emperor would want the man's pillow, 
He said, I, I want that pillow because if he was able to get sleep at night with that much debt, there must be something about that pillow. Folks, you and I are not going to get our lives uncomplicated, uncomplicated or unhindered or untangled by a pillow. The peace that you so desire in your heart is not going to come from what kind of mattress you buy, how big the bed is. It's only going to come through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. God loves you. And he loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We're praying that today someone would begin a journey of following Christ. Come and experience unconditional, sacrificial, godly, eternal love through Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me? I'm going to invite all of us to pray. When we open the invitation, I'm going to invite you to come. You may want to pray at the altar. You may want to talk with someone. However the Lord leads, we simply want you to follow God's will. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that in these moments of invitation, the Holy Spirit would move in a powerful way. We pray for your will to be done in every heart. And Lord, we do pray for someone to pass from condemnation into life. That someone would walk out of here for the first time forgiven. Lord, we pray for recommitted hearts. We pray you would add to us and draw out from us. For your glory, for your name's sake. And we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Would you stand coming? Our ministers, our counselors are here to receive you. You may want to just come and pray. If that's what you, you do that, however the Lord leads, you come.